Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome in here to Sporting 160. A bit better mood uh, for this podcast. We're feeling good about not only our sporting, but the Portuguese league as a whole. Some pretty massive results from Braga on the road in Russia today. And Guimarães as well, getting the job done. Probably should have won 8-0, but got the job done. Um, so we will have all of our Portuguese teams 5-for-5 five five in European competition this season. Um, and Sporting, you know, put together, you know, not the best showing they've had uh, all season so far um, in this young season. Um, so let's just get to the panel here and introduce you guys. By the way, this is podcast number 52, I believe. Um, and we'll start with Steph. Steph, how are you, man? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. So um, some amazing results from uh, our Portuguese teams. Congrats to, uh, first and foremost, congrats to uh, Sporting Braga and uh, Vitória de Guimarães. Uh, awesome results. So uh, we have five teams, four in the Europa League, and then one in the Champions League. And that's amazing. Uh, just to give you the perspective of, of, of how humongous this is, there's only four countries with the, the, uh, the uh, full teams that they were supposed to have, which is Spain, number one, seven out of seven, England, seven out of seven, Germany, seven out of seven, and guess what? And Portugal, five out of five. Every other country, Italy lost one team, they six out of seven. I'm just going to name the, the top ten. Um, France lost one as well, five out, out of six now. Russia, our uh, competition, they're four out of six. They've lost two teams. And then Belgium underneath uh, Portugal, four out of five. So we're in extremely good shape to not only catch Russia, but France. So congrats to Braga. Congrats to Vitor Guimarães. And uh, Portugal is looking good for season 2020-21. Hell yeah. And um, uh, Portugal actually has the most teams out of any country in the Europa League with four. Um, you know, would have wished it was three. Wish Porto was in the Champions League. Uh, but, you know, uh, well positioned, hopefully, to, you know, make a run um, with our clubs here. And, uh, and let's get here to Nando. Nando, how you doing, man? Hey, man. I'm doing fantastic. Uh, we won. We played good. Well, you know, Vieto, what's up? We'll talk about that in a second. And uh, most importantly, you know, we're top of the league right now. So, hey, let's enjoy it while it lasts, fellas. I'm happy. Campeões de Agosto. That's it, bro. We're doing our thing. <laughs> All <laughs> right. You can't so take it from us in Agosto. <laughs> All right. So let's get right into uh, the Portimones game um, on the road down in the Algarve. Uh, let's get to the lineup here. So Ruben Ribeiro and Net, Tiari Correa, Sebastian Coates, Jeremy Matthew, Mark Sacuna. Um, uh, Dumbia, Wendell in the middle, Rafinha, uh, Vieto, and Bruno Fernandes, as well as Luis Philippe. Um, Steph, let's just get to you, man. Initial thoughts. What do you think of the game? Amazing game. Um, you know, everyone was a little bit skeptical um, when we spoke last time on our podcast, uh, when uh, we were talking about uh, what do you think, how well Sporting will play at Portimonense no Algarve. Uh, I think I was the most skeptical uh, out of the three of us. But um, uh, I was very surprised with the lineup. When I didn't see Diaby, I'm like, uh-oh, maybe we have a chance to win because Diaby is not playing. And um, and I didn't know that Vieta was so fast. He has some wheels, man. 
and the chemistry between him and um, and Brun Fernandes, it's it's just amazing. Now I I kind of understand a little bit the thought process of uh, Kaiser, why you would say that Vieto could play Bruno Fernandes. Uh, position place because he does have some extremely good vision and his passes were right on to Rafinha. I mean, Rafinha could have scored at the end the fourth goal and uh, a hat trick with that amazing pass from Vieto, but that went on the whole game and that was a very, very pleasant surprise. Uh, but you know, uh, I won't take too long. Um, but the weaknesses I saw in our team was the number six position, we're struggling in that position. Idris Adumbia is not there yet. Uh, Eduardo, I don't think he's the answer. So if if I was sporting in this window, I would try to get a true number six to compensate. Um, I still like Dumbia, don't get me wrong, but I think he's, he's still making too many wrong decisions um, and his vision lacks a little bit. Uh, I mean, he has room for progression because of his age. Um so that's one of the uh, spots I saw the, the uh, a, a bit of weakness in our team. And also the defense, they, they're not gelling yet. Huatas and Machu, they're still trying to find rhythm. Um, uh, Thierry Correa, much better, much better. And I foresee him getting better and better. Acuna, excellent. Uh, Vieto had more freedom because of Acuna, because uh, he's really good defending, and which allowed Vieto to... To take off in the, in those crazy runs, it was amazing. Uh, so overall, good performance by by Sporting. Good win. We deserve to win. It could have been lopsided, like five five two, uh, because Portimonense did create some chances of goal. Uh, but I'm happy with three one, um, and I I can see the the light at the end of the tunnel if we do get a a, a number six and a striker because Basdost, as we all know, was sold uh, a shitty deal, but still. Uh, we'll save up with the salaries and all that stuff. We'll talk about it later. Uh, but if I if if I am if I am Kaiser, I would demand a number six and a striker. I don't think we need a winger. We have plenty of wingers. So, but a number six and a striker—that's what we need. And that's what I gotta say about this game. Overall, a great performance by the whole team. Just like I said, the number six position a little bit weak. And the defense has to get it together sooner or later. Uh, they need to start gelling. That's it. All right. Awesome. And uh, Nando, what are you? Uh, what were your thoughts on the game? Man, I, I enjoyed it um, very, very much, man. I was, uh, like always, following along on Twitter. And uh, one one general like consensus among Spartanguishas was, I think this is the first time this season, um, and even in you know counting the preseason, that we were enthusiastic excited, uh, feeling good about our performance. Now, of course, after being up 2-0 and they made the 2-1 and then, you know, right there, you know, I'm sure we probably had our eyes. It's not going to be as easy as always. But, you know, like Steph just said, um, we could have easily won this game by more than 3-1. Um, Rafinha could have and should have had a hat trick. Um, but a couple things that stand out, man. First and foremost, uh, Vieto. To me, uh, I'm going to say it early already, but it was man of the match. Sure, we'll get to that in a second, but I absolutely loved his performance. Um, it was unexpected. Uh, I can't. I don't know about you guys, but to me, I've talked a little bit um, about his underwhelming um, performances thus far in the preseason. So it was extremely, extremely uh, like it was illuminating in a way. You know, to see that this guy has the ability 
to make these runs on the ball and, and make some nice, real good passes like he did for the first goal and and moments um, in the game that were just great to see. And if, if he performs like that throughout the season, then great, man. That's that's exactly what we need to see. And I think him playing in the left wing was perfect. Um, like Steph just mentioned, man, two things for me there. Um, not sold on Dumbia personally. He's not bad, but we definitely need a six. Um, don't really care much for Eduardo. He's serviceable, and that's about that. Um, Acuna had a great game, and then for some reason, uh, like like Steph just said, uh, Matteo and Coates um, aren't gelling yet. But that could very much be the fact that they we're still not in physical um, peak. Maybe um, those are you know Matteo's older, so you know older guys take a little longer to get going when it comes to their physical um, you know capabilities and stuff like that. You know warm ups and everything is, always takes a little longer. But overall, man, great game. And I and even though he didn't play, I'll say this: I enjoyed watching uh, or knowing that Gonzalo Plata was on the bench, man. I don't know about you guys, but it was it was cool to know that he was there. And um, hopefully, that's just something that we see more often. And hopefully, Kaiser gives this guy and some other guys uh, some opportunities. So overall, great win. Uh, we were all kind of pessimistic, and uh, we did what we had to do, and we looked good doing it. Yeah, man. I'm glad you brought up Plata there because to me. Uh... What Plata was there for, not only his performances in the U23s, obviously he's been playing excellent, the whole team has really, but he, he's been excellent. Uh, that was Rafinha's kick in the ass. Uh, if you're shit again, uh, you're coming out, and I'm going to throw in this 18-year-old who's got something to prove here, he just got called up to the you know, a senior team in Ecuador. Um, this, is, uh, this is your... Your, I mean, not your final chance, but you know, this is the the kick in the ass to you know to let you know there's rumors other teams being interested. I've got this kid here. Um, you know, what do you got? And he responded in excellent fashion. He really, I mean, we've been on in the past couple games for for good reason, obviously. But I thought that his performance was was excellent. He scored a couple goals. He looked dangerous at pretty much all times. Uh, you can make a case, you know, for him or Vieto, man of the match, are, are both our wingers. Uh, but to me, I think that that was kind of Plata's presence there. I, I mean, I think Kaiser was fully prepared to use him. Um, and obviously people will complain, you know, always oh, just sitting there, always oh, going to put him in the 89th minute. Yes, I understand. Kaiser has, has done, you know, things like that in the past. We question his substitutions at times. But... I, I really do think that if Rafinha played like he did in the first couple games, that he would have yanked him out of there in like the 55th, 60th minute. Maybe it's 0-0. Zero, zero. Um, and yeah, I thought that he responded uh, in an excellent fashion. Um, so let's just get into the co- couple controversial events here. Um, the Portimon uh, penalty kick. Uh, Steph, for you, is that a penalty? Steph Kimmy. I'm sorry. I was uh, on mute. Uh, the one against us? Uh, yes, Matthew. Okay. Uh, um, so only shit. I mean, if that's a PK, we're going to see like uh, goddamn like 50 PKs every weekend. Uh, no, it was not a PK. It's a bullshit call. Even with the VAR, they still get it wrong. I mean, this is not ballet. If we're going to go with the, those light touches and calling them PKs, it's going to be a long season. To me, no. Two thumbs down, it was not a PK. Nando, what about you? I uh, completely agree, man. Um, I don't think that was a PK. I think that's soft as hell. 
I think that's just looking for 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 a motive to. I don't know, man. It again, it's Portugal, right? Where the guys fall over and the referees are quick to have the whistle ready to blow. No penalty. Okay, yeah. I mean, he sticks his leg out there. He pulls it back. There's not much contact. The guy kind of flops. Surprised he didn't look at it uh, at VAR. He, he, you know, I I guess they gave him the nod upstairs that he made the right call, so he didn't even look at it, which is a bit curious. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's very soft. And then the one that, you know, had a lot of people talking here was the Luis Philippe penalty incident and not only the penalty incident itself, but the manner in which it was handled. Uh, so let's just break this down uh, from the beginning here. Um, and I don't have the video, but I'm just going from memory here. So I think it might have been Thierry Correa or someone on the right wing. Uh, you know the- a minute Oh, uh, I'm going to say it was in the first half, maybe 30-ish. And the, the V-Sports highlight does not include it. Um, yeah, okay. so, so if you could find a different highlight, that'd be great. Um, but, yeah, so uh, so it's on the right wing. Someone has the ball. They play it into the box. Luis Philippe gets tripped. The referee calls a free kick. Uh or it, it's right. It looks like it's right on the top of the box, maybe inside, maybe outside. The ref uh, gives us a free kick because it's, it's clearly a foul. He, he he sticks his foot out, gets Luis Philippe. It's a foul. Then he gets the word in his earpiece that it might be in the box. He goes and takes a look at it, decides that it, the foul was in the box, and it was. It's just inside the line. Philippe is in the box, and then he falls out of the box, but the contact occurs in the box, so it's a penalty kick. He comes back after looking at the video, gives Sporting a penalty kick. Before the kick is taken, he starts getting word in his earpiece again that there might be a foul uh, before the play. So he goes and takes a look at it again. And uh, Thierry Correa, in the build-up to the play, there's a Portimonese player who cuts across the, the front of Thierry Correa. Thierry Correa tries to get out of the way. The guy's cutting across him. There's not really much he can do, and their legs get tangled up, and the Portimonis player goes down. Uh, so he goes back and looks at the replay, decides that that's a foul on Thierry Correa, and unawards the penalty kick. So he looks at the VAR twice, unawards the penalty kick after he awarded it. Um, Steph, what are your thoughts? Number one, is that even a foul on Thierry Correa? And uh, I guess number two, what do you think of this whole situation, how this played out? Did Luis Philippe have possession of the ball when he was fouled? So that would negate the previous play because possession changed hands. So you can't, you know, overturn the decision if the, the, the ball changed possession. Uh, we saw an incident similar like this in the Guimarães game last season where there was a foul, but Guimarães won the ball back. So the rest couldn't underwear the penalty kick. Uh, Steph, what do you think? Okay, so I'm reviewing the play now as we speak. And this is what went on. So you have Bruno Fernandes. Okay, so Portimonense, he, they get the ball back, the uh, center back, and then he passes to his, uh, his uh, shipmate. So he gains the ball back, and then he fouls uh, uh, Luis Philippe. So the bar rule is the following. To go back to Thierry, and saying he fouled the Portimonense player, which, anyway, that foul was also ridiculous because he's running and the fucking player trips on Thierry Correa, if you ask me. I don't think Thierry Correa did it purposely. 
so you could see that 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 far from supposedly that far from Thierry Correa, it doesn't matter because when the center back from uh, from Portimonense regains the control of the ball and passes to his to his uh, um, uh, shipmate to, to his colleague, that initiates another play. So Thierry Correa's play is dead. So with that said, and that's when the PK happens after that play. So Portimonense clears the ball. The, the center back regains the ball and passes to to his colleague. So that's where the and then it's the PK. So so Portimonense regained control of the ball. So so therefore the PK does exist and whatever Thierry Correa fouled or didn't foul to me, then foul. It doesn't matter. What surprises me is it's not Shistra, because he was the, the referee. It, it was the VAR. They set him up to fail because they have all the time in the world to double check the, all the players. They have like 10 different cameras with 10 different angles and they have a technician that's a, an expert in telling in helping them and going back and forth and go back to this second, this precise minute, this precise moment, and they still couldn't get it together. And then the, I'm not talking out of my ass, so I'm not an expert, because what I like to do at the end of each game, I like to see Juiz Final. Juiz Final, it's an, usually it's an ex-referee and a, um, a technician, that uh, a camera technician that that's really good with uh, getting all the plays and going back and forth. And they broke it down so gently and so slowly, and they took their time. And I fully understood, like, if you clear the ball, that's not considered um, regaining the control of the ball. I get that. But in this case, the, the center back, he gained the ball. He regained the ball and passed it to 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 his colleague, to to his teammate. So that's the that's a new play, by the way. And then the PK happened. So two thumbs down to the VAR referees. They suck. They couldn't even get this this play together. It didn't affect Sporting, but it could have affected Sporting. We still won the game. But it's a shame. It's a shame that even with ten different cameras, two VAR referees. There was two of them. One supervisor, epa, tanta gente, you caralho, and they couldn't still get it together. It's embarrassing. And all the panels, all the different shows agreed for once. Uh, so, yeah, that was a PK that was stolen from Sporting, and that's it. Hello? Nando, at this late date, how does the VAR still not understand the rules? Um... <clears throat> I, I don't know how how they don't understand the rules. What my concern with them is that what's happening in Portugal seems to always be a Portuguese like it isolates the Portugal man. You know what I'm saying? Like other countries when they have issues with VAR or whatever, it doesn't ever seem to be so flagrant. Like any other countries that have issues with with referees, it doesn't seem to be so like obvious and so blatant that you're you know you're left scratching your head. So I. I don't know, man. It's it's a penalty. He saw it. We all agree with it. It's a penalty. Now, do do any of us three here know if you're allowed to keep calling the referee back? Is it like are we talking one time call? Go go look at the VAR. 
check it out, make your decision, keep it moving? Or are you allowed to constantly call him back? Because like we all discussed, penalty first, no, it's not a penalty, then it's a foul against Spartan. I haven't seen that since VAR started that many decisions in one damn play. Yeah, I don't think there's a rule against him going back multiple times, but I also have never seen him go back and look at the same play that he just looked and at. And change completely. Yeah, after he already changed it. So there was three changes. Yeah, the and initial that, that's what's concerning. penalty, not a penalty. Yep, penalty, not a penalty, and then altogether, uh, foul against Sporting. Yeah. Like that's, I mean, that's I, mean I mean, I mean, I understand Shistra because it's a lot to take in, like, uh, altogether, and he doesn't have all the cameras. You know what I mean? He only sees a little bit, a little piece. He only saw the PK itself and then the Fafam Thierry Correa. But he didn't see the development of the whole play when, when the center back from Portimonis regained the ball and he, he passed it to his teammate. And that's a new play. And then the PK happened. He didn't see that portion. And that's shame on the VAR referees. Shame on them. And the, and the thing about the, the whole thing is that the, the Thierry Correa incident it's not even a foul. It's a one. Th- it's one thing if we're debating yeah. if you know is 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 the incident that Thierry Correa trips the guy even a foul. Number one, it, it doesn't even matter if it's a foul. But number two, it's not even a foul. The guy cuts him, runs across the front of him. Thierry Correa is running, and the guy cuts him off. I mean, he tries to pull up and you know jump over him, but there's nothing he can do. The guy cuts him off. So, yeah, just a, a really, you know, shocking scene here. And uh, it's, pretty, uh, it's pretty remarkable that it didn't come back to bite us in the ass because they easily could have. Um, it would have been 3-1 within the first 15 minutes. I mean, that would have been massive. Um, ended up d- not mattering to this, the today or that day. But in the future, you know, it could easily matter. So, yeah, just really, I don't, I don't know what, what's going on there. Hopefully whoever was in charge of that game on the VAR kind of, you know, lost their, uh, you know, their responsibilities or they're, they're doing the, the Segunda Liga next week because that, that's a shocking display. Um, on to more, you know, promising things here. Uh, I think that, you know, everyone mutually agreed that Vieto was excellent. Uh, his through balls, his dribbling, his vision. I mean, he showed a lot of things that a lot of us have not seen in, in any of his prior performances, uh, Steph, uh, after watching the Vieto that we saw this past Sunday, how has Kaiser left him on the bench this long? Um, I don't, I don't know, man. The th- the thing is, um, um, I think Vieto realizes he's twenty five. That this is this is maybe his last move uh, to to be successful with his uh, football career. And uh, I think I think we, the fans and uh, the uh, the media, poked the bear, and he was, uh, and then Sporting prepared him mentally because he did say that Sporting has been very supportive, uh, not only the uh, the coaching staff, but the administration, even the fans. Uh, so we poked the bear, and and it was his time to prove us wrong, the the fans, and show show us what he's got because. Uh, Vieto, in, in the past, in, in Argentina, before he moved to Atlético Madrid and then he bounced to uh, England and so on, he was a, a, a player with a very good reputation. So he's in good shape, and you could tell. So I think, I think 
maybe it was adapting to the club and to the, the reality of Liga Nos, and now he realizes that it's a very competitive league. It's not as, as easy that people make it seem like it is. Uh, there's a reason why we have five teams in the uh, international competitions. Our league is, is becoming better and better each year. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, kudos to the coaching staff by bringing him back uh, mentally and physically, and uh, he looked really good. And uh, the sky's the limit for this guy. So, so I think it was a, gom- a combination of good job by the coaching staff and the administration and the fans by giving him some love and support. And now he, he's, he's showing that, okay, I'm ready to demonstrate to all of you that uh, I'm here to make a difference. Yeah, I agree. I mean, him, I mean, basically what we paid for him, the whole situation it really wasn't an option for him to be a zero. You know, he had to be serviceable in some way. Mm-hmm. So a chance, though, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and to be fair... Yeah. No, but, but the thing is, uh, Nando and, and Chris, I know sometimes we have, like, a short memory, but in the preseason, when he, didn't, he wasn't playing well... Yeah, yeah, that's what I was Oh, this guy was already garbage. He was already garbage by all the sporting... Not all of the sporting fans, but... Fans in our days, they lose their patience because that's going on now in, um, in Benfica with uh, Raul de Tomas. All of a sudden, he's not good enough for Benfica. Uh, you know, and then uh, I was with three Tugas, and you just have to be patient with certain players. I mean, it's, it's a big difference between the Spanish League and the Portuguese League. They, they have to adapt to our, the reality and adapt to the team and teammates and all that stuff. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I was going to say, yeah, I mean, we saw him playing preseason. He didn't really leave. You know, much of a lasting impression, but yeah, these things do take time, and he obviously last season played pretty sparingly as well, so he hasn't really been a, he hasn't been a full-time starter, every game kind of player in at least, you know, three, four seasons, so it's going to take a while for him to, you know, fully get there, but definitely, and also at the same time, if he doesn't play as well next week, we can't jump on him again and say, oh, this guy's shit, actually. Um, you know, we did see what we needed to see, though. You can only play like shit for so long before it's the norm. But this performance shows that he has it. You know, if he performs well, but to varying degrees, we at least know that he has it. So if he plays well three games and then plays bad in the fourth game, you know, we at least know that he's capable, you know. And, and I'll jump in with something real quick about him. I don't know what I was more impressed with him. Was it his pace on the ball? You know, I think it was uh, – I don't know if it was Steph or if it was Danny who tweeted it, but, like, he uh, he ran um, real well on one play, and then he crossed like shit, still looking like um, the Abbey. But um, he he had some really good pace to him, which was really impressive because I didn't expect him to, to have that pace. I hadn't seen it yet, honestly. Um, but mm-hmm. truthfully, mm-hmm. his his through balls and his passing is was stupid good. Yeah. His pass on the first goal was incredible, and then the pass I don't know if you guys remember that over the top ball to uh, Bruno Fernandes, um, mm-hmm. in the first half, like that's incredible. I mean, that's on a dime. Yeah, um, the, the pass I didn't know he really had that in his game. No, I know? didn't. I didn't at all. I thought Bruno Fernandes was going to be our our primary guy for you know for those kinds of passes and then switching the play up, and he did that. So. If you can, like we talked about, if if he stays on form and is at least regularly good, teams have to respect that. And now you got two dudes on the pitch, assuming Bruno Fernandes stays. But um, 
but or if he leaves, I mean, we at least got a guy that's still going to be able to put that kind of quality of passing. Exactly. I was just thinking the same way as, as you just mentioned, because he makes me feel a little bit better. If, if Bruno Fernandes yeah, exactly. is sold now, if, if somebody's willing to pay 70 million, I hate to tell you, but we have to sell him. It's, it's just a lot of money. And uh, that's uh, a, a, what when do we say? Okay, Verandes has to say yes. I think the 70 million, that's the mark. Am I correct? Most sporting geeses yes. will accept yes, that. Yes, for sure. 70, okay. 70 and then maybe some add ons. For know, sure. 70 yes. plus 10. That'd be great. Exactly. So if Rune Fernandes gets, gets sold, the only thing that's fucked up, we're running out of time to buy some players because uh, I don't see the deal being done before Monday because Monday is the last day. The, the 2nd of September. And that's so we're going to have a ton of money and no time to buy players. Yeah. So, the, I mean, that segues perfectly into our next topic here, which was going to be our transfers and, uh, you know, what we should do, the status of, you know, potential departures. So, yeah, I mean, splattered across all the headlines yesterday was George Menz, Verandas, Vienna. They're all, they were in Monaco today for the Champions League draw. And effectively, it sounded like he's George Menz is mingling with all these top clubs that are in town for the draw. The brass, uh, the decision makers at these clubs, kind of you know shopping him around. And uh, so, I guess Nando, to you, uh, what uh, do you think that in the next, uh, I guess, two days that he's going to be sold? You know, what what do you think the status of him being shopped around today was and uh are there any other clubs besides real madrid that you could see hopping in this and you know you know paying enough i mean so what, what have we heard so far lately we're listening to this rumor of him going to monaco which i think is absolutely no, no. outrageous it, it the the draw was in monaco so that's where all these teams real madrid sure Barcelona, sure sure but, but but i mean they so Okay, so we've got AC Milan, right? We've talked about that, I think, on the last podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, being interested in Bruno Fernandes or in some sort of like sh- exchange with uh, Andres Silva plus some cash. Uh, I, I don't trust that. I don't believe that. I mean, just lately we've been listening to Benfica apparently being offered Andres Silva. Yeah. Um, so, so I'm not exactly. sold on that. Exactly. Uh, I personally don't think. I don't think Real Madrid is is truly sold on him. Um, otherwise, I think we would have seen them make a move so much sooner. I honestly think that what's going to happen is he stays, bud, and I think he's he goes in the winter market, or I think a big push from an English team in the winter market um, is gonna is gonna try to get him, especially a team that maybe in England um, isn't doing too well in like the European competitions because then it's too late to to sign them on. Um, but then you can at least play for the uh, for the Premier or something along those lines. I. I I don't see any team out there. I really don't, man. I don't see any team. I think they're still waiting for Spartan to balk. And now if you're Spartan, you're back in like we talked about, right? We're first place. I mean, we have to accept the fact that we're in first place. We're there. And now what do you do? Do you dismantle your best player on your team? You take him out. And then like Steph said, you don't have enough time to go out and replace the guy. You don't have time to go out and make a good, solid purchase and feel good about it. You're going to have to probably make a purchase on the whim and hope that it works, right? So... <laughs> I, I think he stays, man. I honestly do. I think Sporting bites the bullet, keeps him, and, and, and let's see what happens. Just to touch on Real Madrid there, I think that, you know, obviously, you know, if they were super interested, they would have made a move earlier. I agree. But they do have a lot of their starters out injured now. They have seven injured players. So 
it's kind of ringing alarm bells uh, in Madrid. And for them, a panic for us, a panic purchase is Kikas, two mil. For them, a panic purchase is Bruno Fernandes, 70 mil. So just two totally different worlds to be operating in. But yeah, so I think in terms of Real Madrid, it'd be more of like a, not, not so much a panic purchase, but you know, more of like a, oh shit, Windows closing, a lot of injuries, what do we have here type of situation, you know? Exactly, man. Um, I, I honestly think we're, we're keeping him, man. Do you guys truly think we're selling him at this point? I mean, we got a couple days to go. We're in first place. Nobody's come up front with the cash that we want. So now you really don't want to sell the guy for anything less than what we've wanted, which is 70. Because now we're actually looking good. We, act, we actually gained momentum. First place. Team played their best game. He had three uh, assists, by the way. We didn't touch on that, but he yeah. assisted every goal. <laughs> There you go, <laughs> Steph. What do you think? No, no. I, I think, I think that. Um, I mean, you can, you cannot reject seventy million. If if Madrid, Real Madrid says, yeah, we'll pay, we'll have to sell them. But it's gonna suck really big time because we're gonna run out of of um, of time. And then we made these bone mo- bonehead moves. With Braganza to Studio, I don't even know if we could get him back. Um, I think he's locked in until January at least. Probably. Uh, yeah, so maybe, I mean, I, the, the under-23 team has some good players, but I don't know if they like 100% ready to assume the role of Brun Fernandes, like Brun Tavares. He's been playing great. But, New, Mateus Nunes as well. Yeah, so, but I don't know if they'll, you know. They're, they're not, not ready to, they're not, I mean, yeah. no one's ready to fill their shoes. No, that's, that's big shoes to fill in. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm with Nando on this one. I would rather keep him too. Uh, but, you know, and I would tell Madrid, listen, you, we're not going to sell him now. And we'll, we'll save him for you for January. But that's it. That's the only deal we'll make. But if they if they wave seventy million, bro, we're gonna sell them. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. All right, and then to touch on uh, the other player that we just talked about here, Andre Silva, still being strongly linked to Sporting. Uh, he was linked to Benfica as well. Apparently, Benfica has said uh, no, but there is no report of Sporting saying no, which leads me to believe that there still is a dialogue at least. Uh, lots of conflicting reports here. One of the most ridiculous that I've heard is that Sporting would pay a five yes, million yes. euro loan okay. fee, as well as take on his full salary of two Hell million no. euros a year. <laughs> so we're talking about seven mil a year for a one year Andre Silva loan, oh. um, and we just sold Baz Dost for for seven million, um, uh, five point. Uh, eight at the end of the day for Sporting, so we're selling our 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 our, our top goal scorer over the past two seasons, ninety three goals and one hundred twenty appearances, and then we're spending more to bring in an underperforming no. guy on loan. No way, no way that happens. Nah, it's bullshit. Nah, it's bullshit. I mean, uh, did this didn't come from uh, Varandas? It didn't come from the administration. These of came Sporting. from journalists in Italy. That's what exactly. Yeah, they keep they they've been drinking too much fucking uh, Italian wine, red wine. Uh, I mean, do you think it comes, but in in different conditions? I mean, so the that's the is, only way. Uh, yeah, that's the only way. I, I could see Sporting say, okay, we'll pay, we'll pay uh, one point five million for his lease for for his loan for one year. That would be maybe acceptable. But the question is, is he? 
is he fit at one hundred percent? Because he's he's coming out of an, a serious injury. He was not even on the the last uh, game, uh, the Nations Cup for Portugal. Because also he hasn't in, played consistently yeah. in a while. Exactly. So you might come come back out of form, and then what? Sporting will be a vacation spot for him because his family is here and stuff like that. I would rather not get him at all if that's the case. If he's still injured, so um, no, he's not coming to Sporting. He's not going to Benfica. Benfica has they they spent twenty million on uh, Raul de, de Tomas and sixteen million on Vinicius. So he's not coming to either club in Lisbon. It's all fucking the Portuguese media trying to sell him, and it's men's. That's all. Yeah. I uh, I don't know what the hell is going to happen to him, to be honest, because no one wants him. Sevilla had an option to trigger his purchase, didn't. AC Milan doesn't want him, and is clearly trying to offload him right now. Um, so I'm not sure where the hell he's going to end up. Uh, if I had a prediction to make, he's going to mm. end up at Monaco, where he every ain't... single George men's burnout goes Porto, to bro. die. Yeah, yeah. He ain't going to be our problem. That's Porto's not say. paying that. Porto's not paying that either. No, no. If Porto doesn't want him, why would Sporting want him? You know what I mean? <laughs> no one wants him. I would love to have Andres Silva if he's fit 100% and if it's not going to be that expensive for Sporting. Of course I would love to have him. He's a great player. But, you know, just to come over and, and, and uh, being at vacation spot for him and he's still injured, then I'm not interested. Yeah, uh, I mean, lone players, that's kind of like the stigma is that they're just here to, you know, have a super buck and, and chill out. Um, the one that comes to mind most starkly is is Markovic. I mean, that was one of the worst. He was one of the worst players th- that's put the shirt on in, the, in, in recent memory, and that was a lone deal. Kind of bounced around from these big clubs. No one wanted him. It, it's not a good omen um, to, you know, come on, on those circumstances and alone when you bounced around like that. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, I'm probably out as well. And uh, but the position does need to be addressed. Uh, if there's not another striker signed, we have trouble. Uh, Luis Philippe can't play every single minute of every fucking game. I mean, he's great. I like him, but come on, we got to have it. You know, some depth there. I mean, we probably need two strikers. Um, Nando, any 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 players in mind? Haven't seen too many floated. Uh, there was a new one today. He's playing in the Belgian league. Um, any any dreams uh, of a you know a affordable you know option up top? Honestly, man, I I don't I don't know. Um, I mean, we've got the we got people talking about Paulinho, uh, but he's a Stremo. I mean, we've got a bunch of people floating out around a, a bunch of other names for other positions that we don't necessarily need. Um, striker is a very tough position to fill. You know what I'm saying? Everybody can call themselves a striker, but not everybody actually performs as one. You know, you've got the the poachers like a Bas Dost or a Jardel or whatever, and then you got the guys that cost a lot more money and you just hope they play out. Um, I think uh, this one's going to come back to bite us in the ass, and I think we're going to talk about this. Hopefully, hopefully it doesn't, but I think uh, we're going to run the risk of playing all season or at least until the winter market with what we have, hope that we make it till then, and then be forced to probably spend a lot of money on somebody to come in in the winter. Um, that's the kind of position you have to plan for from the very beginning. We didn't do it. I don't see anybody there. I hope that if we're not going to get a guy that's a like a solid, viable option, 
Um, then I hope we don't commit any locuras, you know what I'm saying, and don't come out here and get a Pongal type player um, or somebody like that that's that you know has been, you know what I mean. Um, I hope that at the very least we don't do that, so that we are not left scratching our heads and being like, what the hell are we doing spending money on that? So, but other than that, I really don't, I don't see anybody else, man. Yeah, so uh, this is the guy that we were linked to today. His name's Johan Boldy. Um, he's a French Ivorian striker. He currently plays for uh, Saint Trudence uh, in the Belgian league. Um, scored 14 goals, bagged five assists in 36 appearances, valued at about three mil, which is what we were rumored. You know, that would be the rumored fee. Um, pretty underwhelming uh, option. I hope they've done their research if this is the guy they're going to pull the trigger on. Um, the other guy that was linked was Kikash from Bolnitz, um, which, uh, you know, more people are familiar with. He plays in the league. Uh, he, uh, he came from a sporting um, uh, academy uh, as well, much younger than he went to Game at Einstein, but he originally uh, is from sporting. Let me just pull up his stats from the last season. Uh, regular starter um, this season and about half of last season. 17 games, five goals, one assist. Uh, so, I mean, not, not a world beater, but, you know, definitely a depth option, it would appear. Uh, Steph, any, uh, any fleeting thoughts here on the subject of, you know, transfer uh, sondages? Well, the, the, uh, the only thing I can say is um, uh, we do need a striker. Uh, I'm pretty sure, well, I'm pretty sure. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure at all. But in my mind... We do have a scouting department. They should have at least a list of five names that they they uh, they put together, and now they must be uh, looking into and making phone calls and to see the availability of those players they have on that specific list, because that's why we have a, a, a scouting department, right? So when you scout, when you that's scout, their job. <laughs> That's their job, exactly. When you scout, it means you have a binder. Uh, when I say binder, I'm go- I'm be- I'm being traditional, but most likely they have a desktop. I hope a spreadsheet, you know, in Excel. Yeah, a spreadsheet, <laughs> yeah. Excel, yeah. Uh, At least playing football manager or something. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I'm pretty sure, like uh, you know, they also have a binder. If they have to go to a meeting or conference altogether, they can show it to each other of certain players they would like to uh, perspective to, for sporting. So with that said, um, you know, hopefully they, they behind closed doors, they, they, they make phone calls and pretty soon we should know. I mean, does it sound like sporting is going to make a deal on Monday, the last day? Yes. Again, I, I hate to tell you, but it sounds like it. Because I would love to be today or tomorrow or or Saturday or Sunday, not the last day of the market. But I was sporting they've gotten they've gotten us so used to making deals at the last minute just to keep us under stress and all fucked up in the head. And um but you know, if we have to rely on what we have, why not Pedro Menz? Pedro Menz has been showing some uh, great games. He's been scoring goals in the end of 23. He's very mobile, very fast. So you'll never know what he'll do with a Vieto passing him the ball, with a Brun Fernandes passing him the ball. I think he could be amazing, actually, because when you have great players surrounding you, 
you even become even better. So I'm not freaking out as as of yet uh, because I I see Pedro Mendes as a a a, a valid uh, option for Sporting, uh, but I would still I still think and I 100% every bone in my body that we need a, another striker, even if we give Pedro Mendes a, a shot. Uh, because it's four competitions that will be involved. It's a long season. So we will need three strikers, no matter what. Uh, for, uh, Luis Philippe, whoever we, we end up buying, and uh, we should give Pedro Mendes a shot, too. Yeah, for sure. Agreed. I uh, was really impressed with him uh, in, the, in the most recent U23 game. Uh, I watched that one in full. Saw some, you know, glimmers of the other games, but not, you know, in its entirety. But I was really impressed with him. Um, and, yeah, he definitely, uh, you know, I mean, he should be on the bench, at least. If it's just Luis Philippe, there's literally no one else. So um, he should be, you know, playing with the 23s when he can. But, you know, definitely be an option uh, available to the seniors uh, on match day, at least. Um, so let's kind of move on here to our next topic. Steph, do you want to uh, hit on the modalidades from this past weekend? Okay, so okay, um, so this past weekend, well, tomorrow we have an important game. Uh, we have uh, the Super Cup um, between Sporting and Benfica, which will be at uh, at fifteen thirty-five for some reason. Those five minutes, um, and uh, hopefully we will win. For futsal, for futsal, for futsal, of course, um, and because it's my birthday tomorrow, so. I hope ah, we win. Yeah. Okay. So if we don't win, I'll be I'll be extremely disappointed. Um, the Enbol team won uh, the um, the game against uh, for the uh, Stromtrua Trophy. Uh, it was a good game. We won uh, against Vitoria at Stubal, uh 38-17. So it was kind of lopsided, but uh, Vitoria Stubal just um, they got promoted to the first division. So maybe that's why. Um, our U.S. Nas- uh, Portuguese team is playing now. They uh, lost 4-0. They lost 4-0? Yeah. Oh, papurra. I was just looking at that, too. Not look excellent. <laughs> it was kind of expected anyway. I was uh, really looking at it, and I was like, ah, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I was expecting, but the second I saw it, I was like, I was actually pissed off. <laughs> I uh, I watched the first half before we came on here, and uh, I was really shocked by how bad uh, Patricia Moraes looked. Um, obviously, the U.S. is the best women's team in the world, but uh, I mean, the goal, the second goal that she let in, she looked really bad in the in the in the picture there. Um, uh, and you know, we're used to seeing her. I mean, she's excellent. I've seen her play, you know, tons of great games. But I guess the bright lights and the fifty thousand people might have gotten to her. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a, you know, it is what it is. I mean, uh, but coming back to our sporting, so uh, in the um, <clears throat> under fifteen initiates, they won ten nothing uh, with the, against uh, Sporting Club Bourbens. The uh, Juvenis under seventeen they lost against uh, Fatima one nothing. Um, juniors they uh, they finished fourth place in uh, the Coppa Brianza in uh, Italy. Uh, tournament um, Liga Revelação under 23 some 
some amazing results. I can't believe it. Six nothing against Vitória, Guimarães, and then three uh, one against Maritim. Wow, they're just amazing. Those that team. That team is uh, something to look forward to. Uh, then uh, Maritim didn't even look like they belonged on the same field as us, to be honest. Not at all. I'm telling you. Uh, football de Praia, we just uh, cruising. We won 2-1 against Nacional, 6-5 uh, against Zimbra. Uh, futsal in the uh, International uh, Masters. We did pretty good. We tied 3-3 against Inter uh, Movistar. Uh, then uh, we won against uh, Kairats 3-0. We finished in second place. And I don't know why that tournament is made that way. Because it only made sense if 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 uh, when when Sporting tied against Inter three three, but they won in penalty kicks, they went to PKs, and then you should play the winner of the other game, which would have been Befica, and that's what the tournament should have been. The winner of each game should have, should be the final, but for some reason that's not the tournament is made, and then Befica won because they the the the, the trophy because they won both games, they won against. Um, Kairat 3-1, and they won against uh, uh, Inter Movistar, like, 4 nothing, I believe. Um, and uh, that's it. That's all I got. All right. And so uh, I guess let's get into the Twitter questions. Let me just pull them up real quick. Uh, let me find the tweet here so I can pull them up and then screen share them. Give me one second. I had it up a minute ago, but then I changed it. All right, let me do screen share. All right, so let's get into it. So first question coming in here from David Claudio. Um, I guess a relevant topic here. Uh, what do you think about these players in the U23 team? Uh, Eduard Kurejma, Nunu Menz, Diog Souza, Dimitra Mitrovsky, um, and about the modalities. You think we're going to win lots of titles this year? One last thing. Love you guys. Keep up the great work. Appreciate that, David. And uh, Steph, what do you think about these uh, U23 players that he rattled off here? Uh, I think they, uh, these players, they, uh, they are amazing. Um, they, they demonstrating to uh, this, the sporting uh, uh, fan base and administrations that they're ready to make the jump. Um, and um, I'm expecting great things from these kids, uh, which they evolving quite fast. And uh, we finally got a decent coach. Uh, Lionel Ponce, he's, uh, he's pretty good. He has a lot of experience in the first league and also with the youth. He, he, did, he was at Sporting for a long time. Then he went to Maritim and he went overseas. Now he's, you, could, you could see the difference. You could see the difference. Um, and then for the modalidades, yes, I'm expecting to win a lot of titles. I think the, uh, th this administration actually uh, prepared the modalities pretty good. Uh, but in the uh, end ball, we're still missing lateral direct. Um, it, it's, it's not, they don't have one. They adapting someone to that position, so and also, Huesg has been hurt, so we need another center, uh, in the end ball specifically. But then we'll be in good shape as well. We have a great coach with lots of experience, uh, from France. 
So, you know, I'm expecting to win a lot of titles in the modalities, but let's not forget that uh, Porto and Benfica, they also did get some uh, key players for their own team. So it's going to be competitive, and that's the way it should be, and that's the way I like it to be. I don't want to win because it's too easy, but our rivals, they also have gotten some great players. So I foresee the end ball, futsal, basketball, volleyball, or competitions to be very competitive leagues. And the, the Portuguese futsal is considered now the best league in the world. And uh, the end ball, we have two, two teams in the, in the Champions League, Porto and Sporting. So that's something to talk about. Um, and uh, volleyball is getting better and better. Okin Patiz, we also consider the best league in the world. We have the best players in our in our league. So I'm expecting great things, yes. Awesome. And, uh, yeah, in regard, just real quick, Diogo Souza hasn't played much. Um, been really impressed with Max. But the one that, you know, I'm curious to see is uh, Anthony Walker, I believe his name is, the 18-year-old Costa Rican keeper. Um, I would like to see him play uh, in a game um, because he has trained with the first team a few times. So I'm actually curious to see if he's better than Diogo Souza. Um, and he's definitely he's younger, obviously. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm just curious uh, about him. Um, mm-hmm. Next question uh, from Bruno, Bruno SK of 23. Can all the Vieto haters shut up now? I think the kid can turn his career around at sporting. What are your opinions on Vieto and opinions on the addition of Andre Silva? If rumors are true, of course, why can't Pedro Mendes get a shot in our A team? Prefer him over Silva? Yeah, so I mean, we pretty much touched on uh, all those topics um, previously: the Vieto um, and Andre Silva as well, uh, and even Pedro Mendes. Um, so let's just go down here to the next question, uh, the final question from Abdallah Abmuti. Uh, Abdallah Armuti at Armuti92. Do you think that it's time to promote Pedro Mendes to the first team? Do we really need Paulinho to replace Diaby, noting that we still have Kamashu and Jovan in the right side? Uh, let's just, because we already talked about Pedro Mendes, let's skip to that second part of that question. Nando, um, do you think that we need Paulinho um, to replace Diaby? There's rumors of a potential swap, maybe Diaby going to Leverkusen. I don't know why they'd want him, but those are the rumors nonetheless. Uh, what do you think of Paulinho, and do you think we need him? I mean, I think he's going to be a much better player than Diaby. Um, so if he's going to bring uh, you know better value to our team and we get rid of a guy who really hasn't uh, gone off to a good track here with Sporting and Sporting's fans and you know, we're kind of done with him, then yeah, but I got to figure out the financials of it. Has anybody gone out and actually talked to financials? Is it a clear swap or is it, I think it's some money um, going one way plus the player, right? Uh, yes, and I think it'd be for a loan as well. Exactly. So that's that's the thing. Like if we're, if we're back in this business of paying money to get a player on loan that's not ours, no. We got to, I would hope that our, our, did I sound hold strong on this? That that's a waste of money, personally, because um, it's not ours. But it depends again on the on the amount of money. Um, Diaby, he you know he's out, he's outlasted his stay. I think he doesn't really have a spot there. Um, but 
I think we need more of a six and a striker. So we're we're back on focusing on players that we probably shouldn't be for positions that we have an abundance of, especially mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in the uh, twenty in the you, you know in the academia. So focusing on the wrong place, man. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I, I mean, I, mean I, I, I haven't mentioned one player which has been catching everyone's attention, which is Joelson Fernandez. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. He's only 16. He, I know he's only 16, but sometimes you got to take a risk. I mean, break him, break him out, break him even in the under 23, but at one given point, if the kid is scoring goals like he is now, you got to give him a shot. And in Maybe in the Tasa da Liga, Tasa de Portugal, you know, those when we play the second division teams, call him up, give him a chance. Why not? You know what I mean? I agree. Barcelona just played a 17-year-old last weekend. So, I mean, if, if young players like that can break into, you know, teams like that, um, you know, there's no reason that they – should they be performing well enough yeah, that, 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 that they whole, should get a that chance whole that like you know players have to be a certain age to perform like i'm sorry guys I'm, I'm sure we all kind of agree like if you got the talent you got the talent you know some players mature faster than others and they're physically capable at different points of their of their of their you know careers if we got players with talent we've got to put them to use we've got to let them progress up the up the um, academy and uh put them to use man put them to use it's not going to it's not going to hinder their development man i agree i agree um, so thank you all for the Twitter questions here. Um, so before we get into the Rewav, I just wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the Europa League draw tomorrow. Um, we can have a little fun with this. Um, Steph, um, we will be in pot one uh, along with Porto. Um, so just looking at this, at these pots, um, what is your ideal draw um, for Sporting tomorrow? Uh, I mean, uh, you know, all these teams that they have qualified in uh, the Europa League, they all pretty good. They, uh, uh, they, there's no long, no more amateur teams. They're all professionals. So the way I look at it is, uh, whatever we get, we get, and we have to make the best out of it. Uh, Sporting is expected to at least uh, uh, make it to uh, to uh, the round of 16. Uh, that's the least we can ex- expect from our sporting. Uh, why is that important? Now, not only for the ranking uh, by club, because I think we ranked number 29, so to move up, move up in the ranking, and also there's money involved. The victory is X amount of money, and that will help out uh, sporting in our finances, and including the, 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 the players themselves, because every time you when you move up to the group stage to the 16 uh the 16 round you get a bonus so that should be an incentive for them uh, that's uh, already calculating their contract from the get-go uh so um we have a good enough team to to uh make it to the group stage regardless of what teams we end up with but being in the different in the different pots, I think there's like pot number one, number two, number three, number four. There's four different pots. It makes it like all the groups kind of equal uh, or balanced. Uh, look at the uh, Champions League today. Today was the Champions League draw, and each group was equally about the same. I think the most difficult group was like the Barcelona one, which was also with Tottenham and in, in Inter Milan. 
So uh, Barcelona, Inter, Dortmund, Slavia, Prague. Ah, that's it. And Dortmund. I'm sorry. It was a German team. So, you know, that's a difficult group. Uh, but, you know, I don't, I don't have any preference. Whoever we get, we get. And then we just have to, to make it happen. For sure. Um, I will say, I mean, most of those pot two teams here are, are pretty good. The one to me that stands out as, as the best, most favorable at least, would be Applewell. Um, I watched their game against Ajax on Wednesday for their Champions League playoff, and, I mean, they didn't impress me at all. Um, you know, all those other teams pretty good. Even in pot three, a lot of good teams. Um, you know, wouldn't mind St. Etienne. Car bags, obviously, probably the weakest team, and we scraped them last year. But, I mean, it's a long trip to Azerbaijan, so you got to factor that in, too. Um, would be interesting to maybe square up with Ike Athens um, and our old friend Sheikh Gerald's, um, as well as Nelson Oliveira. Um, and uh, Miguel Cardoso already found a way to get himself sacked one game into the season. So well done to him. Um, and uh, yeah, and then those pot four teams. Um, uh, the, the, the team from Luxembourg, Dudelange, would be would be probably the most favorable. It's actually a semi-pro team. So, Steph, you said this is all professional teams. Um, there is actually one semi-pro team that, that made it for the second year in a row from Luxembourg. Um, so, you know, good, good for them. And uh, <laughs> wouldn't, mind, wouldn't mind getting them either. <laughs> no, yeah, agreed. Agreed. <laughs> Nando, any, uh, any thoughts here before we get to Rio Ave? Um, kind of agree with both of you, man. Um, primarily... I would like to kind of avoid those long ass, you know, flights. Um, Russia, exactly. Azerbaijan. Yeah. yeah, those those kind of flights are always annoying. You know what I mean? They, they're they're just trap games, um, exhaustive, expensive. So those ideally. Other than that, man, I think we're you know this league at all by every pot is is fairly even, like you guys have already touched up on. Um, I mean, pot three. Has a couple sleepers in there, but like Feyenoord, you know, uh, Spanish teams would be decent. Wolves, like that, that, that pot three is kind of sleeperish. Like you can get a couple teams in there that could put some, you know, uh, historically, you know, they, they, their names go a little far in their respective leagues, but, uh, but Spanish teams are always dangerous. Yeah. So, I mean, as long, as long as we don't end up having some, some far trips, I'm okay, man. Whoever hits, hits, keep it moving. Agree. Mm-hmm. So uh, exactly. that, that draw is tomorrow at 7 a.m. Eastern time in the United States. So uh, I usually head to work at 7, so that'll be starting. So I will be in traffic inevitably, so I will check my phone and uh, see if I can tweet it out as it as it happens. Maybe I can get the stream up and you know listen to the audio. Um, I know it's not as hyped as the Champions League draw, and it takes a bit longer because there's twice as many groups. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's important for us. And, uh, you know, getting PSV, Frankfurt, and then, uh, you know, Istanbul, Besiktas. I mean, that's, that's a tough group. So, I mean, hopefully it's favorable to us. Obviously, you know, group pots are pretty balanced. Um, but, uh, you know, there's obviously ways that it can be more favorable to you than, than others. So, um, all right, let's get into our preview here. Of Riuav, which is on Saturday at 2 p.m. here on East Coast United States. 
Um, Nando, what are your thoughts um, as Sporting are flying into that game uh, back home at Alvalad? I think it's going to be exciting to see the fans kind of rally together. It's a 2 p.m. game, which means it's a nice hour for Portugal um, to really fill out that stadium, and hopefully we get a nice crowd, right? So 2 p.m. for us, 7 p.m. there. Um, That's not bad like it was against Braga, you know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully we get a good, decent uh, showing teams in first place. It's a rally around the guys. And then performance wise, you know, I fully expect a win. Obviously I, I, I'm, I'm mostly curious to see what Kaiser does in terms of lineup. I hope he doesn't change what just wasn't broken. I actually performed really well. Um, I really honestly hope to see the same exact lineup, same exact bench. Um, maybe some some time on the pitch for a guy like Plata. He didn't even use all three subs last time, but maybe hopefully get him some game time this go around. Riwab's only played two games this so far this season, I think. Right? They only yeah, they won one, lost canceled. one. Yeah, their their game against so, Guimarães was canceled. Yeah, so they're one and one. Right. So they got. I mean, that's still too early to tell how the, how they've looked. One one, lost one. Um, they're they're generally a little. Not tough per se, but a little annoying, especially away. Thankfully, we're playing at home. So, I mean, I, I hope a win, man. I, I'm expecting like a 2-0, 2-0 victory. You know, something something stable. Hopefully, we don't concede any goals. Um, we've conceded goals uh, so far for the last however many games, you know. So, if we can not concede goals to get the win, that'd be, that'd be cherry on top. Steph, what do you think? Against Riwav, I mean, we have to win. There's no other way around it. Uh, if you want to be competitive and uh, and be in the race to win the Portuguese league, you have to win those games. Uh, I don't I don't care if Riwav won the last game 5-1. I can care less about that. Uh, all we have to do, it's our obligation. We're playing home. We can we, we are one of the big three teams in Portugal. So it's a, it's a must win. There's no other... I want a great performance, of course, and uh, if possible, uh, not to suffer any goals. And that's what I wish for our sporting. But I, and I think we, we are in the high wave and we win. Um, I would say, uh, I, I'm going to say 3 nothing. 3 nothing. wow. Um, that would be nice, for sure. Uh, yeah, so I actually read uh, that, uh, I mean, you never know for sure with these things, but... Uh, they, uh, Ebola the other day said that Kaiser expects to uh, roll with the same lineup. So, uh, as Nando said, yeah, I mean, you don't, you don't need to fix it if, it if it's not broken. And definitely would like to see that same lineup rolled out there. And, uh, yeah, it would be nice to see uh, uh, a Plata or Kamashu even uh, cameo or both. Um, still have yet to see either of them in action for the first team in a real game. Uh, so would love to see that. He does love. He does seem to love Eduardo as a as a late sub w- while w- when we're winning. He, he, I think that that might become a trend that kind of annoys us after a while because he mm-hmm. doesn't doesn't really bring much. But he does seem to love that um, uh, Eduardo for Wendell sub to in the last ten minutes. Um, so I mean, hopefully he shows something if that's the case. But yeah, I'm gonna go Sporting three uh, one. Same result as this past weekend. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully we can get some time for those guys as well. All right. And I think that pretty much touches on everything. Do you guys have any, uh, final thoughts here before we wrap it up? I do, uh, really fast. Uh, so we still have, uh, five players to, to place being Viviano. Andre Pinto, uh, it was resolved today. He's going to, uh, 
uh, Saudi Arabia. Al-Fadir. Al-Fadir. So that's, co- that's good news. We, I think we retained 10% of his uh, pass. Yep, he joined the Custo Zero club. Yeah, but I don't think we could have sold him for much anyway. No, I'm uh, Yeah. Uh, we have uh, Jefferson still to place. Uh, Matheus Oliveira. Uh, Wallison. And uh, Ruiz. And Al- Alan Ruiz was loaned. Uh, no, 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 no. The other Ruiz, the one oh, that... Leonardo Ruiz. The one that played the Boavista. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that Ruiz. So we still have five players to, to place. Um, so we could save some, uh, you know, salary money and uh, give it to Bruno Fernandes, I guess. <laughs> or just make some money. I mean, I, mean I, I, they're not getting sold, any of those guys. So you might as well just terminate the contracts now and cut the losses, right? And, and that's it. That's all I had. And uh, tomorrow, the prediction for me against Befica for the Super Tassa de Futsal, I think we win uh, 3-2. What yeah. time is that game at? 3 3.35. 3.35. 3.35. All right, so yeah. I'm almost out of work at that time. All right, yeah. Hopefully, we get that win. Yeah, I think he'll be played at the RTP1, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, and uh, it is... Being played at Palacio dos Esportes de Torres Novas, um, yeah. uh, the Federation uh, uh, Arena. Yeah, that's uh, the uh, outs- uh, outskirts of Lisbon. Yep. All right, uh, Nando. Anything else? Uh, no, man. I think we we covered most of it. Um, it was cool to see uh, real quick um, Rosier get some play time finally for um, the twenty threes. Yeah. Yeah, for the mm-hmm, twenty three. Mm-hmm. You know, he oh, yeah. said that. That he that he uh, felt good, other than just being tired, and that's n- to expect. But but it was good to finally see him out there, and hopefully he ends up coming back soon here to the uh, to the A team, and just adds another another option there on that right side. It'll be interesting to see. We've talked about this multiple times. Um, who's going to be the odd man out there? Um, but I, I think now with everything Thiago Correa has been doing, like I think that uh, that he he deserves a spot at least until somebody proves otherwise. Agreed. Agreed. And uh, yeah, so that uh, that brings us to the end here. Uh, we will talk to you guys next week after hopefully another good performance and uh, a win in the in the Super Cup. So we'll start the season out with a trophy uh, and feel good about the futsal team. So we'll, we'll have some new faces out there um, this season as well. So interesting, interesting to see how they uh, see how they they gel together. And uh, when you're watching the game. Make sure to check out that gold European Champions patch that we're wearing on our jerseys. It looks very nice. It's a nice touch. Just reminds you who the champions of Europe are, and it fits nicely with the jersey scheme. And uh, hell yeah. Uh, Viva Sporting. We will talk to you guys next week. Viva Sporting.